Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here again with our guest host, uh, Tiffany Newman, who uh, is going to talk to us about uh, kind of climbing the corporate ladder, um, management versus leadership, and uh, t- dealing with some of the hard times along the way. So uh, if for those that remember, um, Tiffany comes to us from a background in marketing, and she, she uh, I think she did like seven promotions in under 10 years or something like that. So she'll walk through us through that process and uh, hopefully get, get some uh swike the stuff i wish i knew earlier on uh some of the things that folks can look forward to along the way so uh yeah tiffany if you want to walk us through a bit about your, your journey and then uh yeah how was that was that a, a pretty straightforward process easy to do or, or or what was the experience like oh yeah thank you and thank you so much lukey for having me I'm, I'm really happy to be joining again today so no i wouldn't say it was necessarily the easiest of processes <laughs> um although it was very fruitful and great learnings along the way also a huge inspiration as to why I became a career strategy coach and the focus that I have on really helping young professionals fast track their own progression, because I've been able to do it for myself, having gone through a lot of those learnings and and sometimes even struggles the hard way. (laughs) Um, So, you know, in my particular case, I've actually did a lot of that growth within one organization. And that sometimes feels like a rarity these days where it's almost thought, well, no, I can't possibly stay somewhere more than two years at a time or three years at a time. I have to switch it up and to each their own. So there's no right or wrong answer. I think which is very particular and unique in my case is it shows that when you have the right kind of roadmap and you're very true to what motivates you at the heart of it, you're able to seize opportunity. Even if it's opportunity that might not be right in front of you, if you have the right steps in place, you could actually bring that opportunity towards you a lot more proactively. And I would say that's what I did a lot towards like the latter half of those promotions that you mentioned. So yes, during my time, uh, about almost 13 years in the corporate space, I've had seven promotions in under 10 years time and really worked my way up the so-called corporate ladder Um, within my organization. It was fairly structured. So I had a good idea as to what role would precede each one. Mm-hmm. and which one would follow. Uh, and from there, I was able to build up my skill set to help me get there. But that didn't come without a lot of learnings along the way. And I can tell you one of the biggest learnings that really helped there is being in control of the perception that others have of you hmm. and really controlling that narrative because you might think you're ready for a promotion, but actually being ready or others seeing that you're ready is a very different story. And That's where I never want anyone, especially any of our listeners, to feel like they have any blind spots that are holding them back from achieving that. So talk to us a little bit about, uh, I guess, the, the process. So, so my, my experience is well, similar, but, but different. So I spent over 12 years at, at a company as well uh, and, and learned a lot along the way. Um, the course, I, I guess, is somewhat set as well. Um, th- their assumption is based on some competencies, well, how much you know, and then other different skills that then you can uh, move up. 
And uh, yeah, I think all those things um, ring true or, or I would echo it as well. But if you can walk us through kind of your journey, so starting kind of at, at, the, at the bottom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now that we're here, uh, if you wanted to uh, uh, basically say, okay, did you always have an aspiration of, of climbing up? Because I think that's one of the things that oh, yeah. I've been having conversations with folks too, as uh, oftentimes they, they want to climb the ladder, but at some point, maybe they don't because the, the right next step for you might not be to get a promotion, right? It might be to do yeah. something different. But uh, walk us through kind of the, the early days, how you got uh, set up, and then managing those perceptions as well. Uh, yeah. what, what was that process like? Okay, yeah, great question. So the I, I pretty much started at the bottom. <laughs> we'll start there. So like you said, I, I have a career path in marketing uh, from a corporate standpoint. So in my particular company, it started out really as what they call the marketing trainee or marketing stagiaire because I was based in Montreal. Um, and it was very much a combined marketing and sales role. So part of that was in the office, really on the marketing side. And then there was also a stint on the road, more of like a sales executive type of position or account executive in getting frontline experience with our stores, our consumers, uh, our beauty advisors, right? Because I was coming from the beauty space. Um, and so that was my, my first, my very first experience. And then from there, got promoted to marketing assistant in a different division and on a different brand than I was on before. So Walk, walk us through that, that process. Like, is, is it just as straightforward yeah. as, hey, like it's, it's the, the year, the time up, and then you automatically uh, go through the process? Or is it like an application or you have to fill yeah. out a form or something? Because so, sometimes people just say, yeah, I got promoted. And it, it seems... And then you don't know, simple, right? <laughs> but, yeah, walk us through kind of the, the process that you took for, for that kind of first promotion. I think that would be helpful for folks. Yeah, for sure. So this was one actually that kind of came to me proactively. Mm, okay. And this also speaks a little bit to the importance of being well networked and relationship building. So the person who would actually approach me about the opportunity was our VP of HR at the time. Mm -hmm. And he so happened to be the one that I had my final interview with when I joined the company. And we just connected really well. And I stayed in touch with him in that first year and a half that I was in that that first role It was a little bit less than a year and a half. And it ended up happening uh, just after an important sales meeting that we had, which in my company had a lot of eyes in terms of perception, right? I knew those were good moments to shine. And it was following that meeting where he had approached me and said, Hey, you know what, Uh, we have an interesting opportunity for you. Um, And it would actually be in a different division on a different brand on a different product category, Mm because I was on the skincare category, and this would be on makeup. Uh, on a beautiful brand uh, in the in the group. So at first, I was a little taken aback, because I felt like I would probably stay in the division that I was in, I was still learning the ropes, right? I didn't have all the answers. But if there's one thing that my company really embraced, and I really appreciated that, that in them, is be open to opportunity. And so I said, you know what, if you think that's a good next step for me, and it's one that I also feel good about, let's go for it. So that's how it went. There wasn't an application. It wasn't even another interview. It was just, we know you're the right person for this role. We want to make it happen. And that came a lot from just having those good relationships right out of the gate. So to everyone who's listening, never underestimate the importance of relationships, even in those early stages of your career. So that's kind of how that first transition happened. And then while I was there, I moved into the marketing assistant role, like I mentioned, and about a year or so after that became a product manager. 
uh, within that same brand and that same product category. So before we go into that area, could, could you speak a little bit about, because this is a opportunity that just presented itself. So you weren't really prepared. You weren't really ready for that. Um, but someone said, hey, I think she's going to be able to do well. Um, but were there thoughts in your head? Because I know a lot of folks have kind of that imposter syndrome type of thing where like, oh, uh, why am I even here? Like, this is nothing related to me. Did, did you encounter some of that? Or what was your process to kind of get up to speed and really immerse yourself in, in, the, in the new role that you didn't even know was was waiting oh, for you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was nervous. I think, <laughs> you know, when we talk about, you know, self-doubt, imposter syndrome, that that's just kind of inevitable. It's something that I love coaching on too, because it's so important to push past that. I think what really helped me, Luki, in that instance is when I started in my company, the category and, and brand division I was going in was one I was less familiar with. It was skincare. And at that time, I hardly used skincare. Sure. Like I was, you know, a 21 year old. <laughs> I, uh, you know, was just relying on my youthful genes. So I, I really didn't know much about that category. So it was like a bigger learning curve in terms of the products I would actually be in, in, in charge of, right? Um, whereas this opportunity from like a product category standpoint, it was makeup, like that was one that I love, I already used frequently. So that kind of helped ease some of the self doubt about the transition because I'm like, you know what, at least from a product category standpoint, like it's more natural with me. And that also is a good learning that, you know, when you're working on products, when you're working on services from a marketing standpoint that you just really connect with, it helps overcome some of those fears or thoughts of like, will I be able to do this? And I think the other thing that really helped me overcome it was I'm like, hey, they believe in me. Like they know of all the people they could pick for this role, they're picking me right now. You know, I've only been in the company a little over a year. Um, and if they see it in me, well, then I'm just gonna do my best. And one philosophy I've taken with me at every stage in my career is asking questions. Mm. I ask a lot of questions. When in doubt, ask questions. And that really helps you overcome those self-doubts uh, or imposter syndrome when you're facing it, especially if it's even just getting feedback along the way on how you're doing. Is this what they're expecting? Uh, you know, is this what you're being evaluated against, right? All these different kinds of considerations that help you feel a lot more confident going into a brand new role. And as a quick little side context, in my, current, in my company, when you're switching from division to division, it could almost feel like an entirely different company because the distribution is different. The brands are different. The dynamic is different. So you, it kind of felt like that every time I changed divisions. Uh, but it was a great learning along the way because I'm like, you know what, here we go again, kind of have to reprove myself. I have to build new connections here, but I have a good foundation to go off of. And that kind of helped ease some of those, those nerves I had going into it. Sounds like it's, it's, uh, taking advantage of the being the, the, the new person or the, the lowest person on the pole, so to speak, and, and um, leveraging that in terms of asking lots of questions, because, well, you're new, you're not supposed to know anything. And so, so take an opportunity to, to get up to speed as quickly as you can. And uh, obviously, if it's a category that you're part of the target demographic, and stuff like that, then it makes it easier because you can kind of really uh, empathize with uh, what you're trying to do because you just kind of turn it on and like, what would I want? What I what I like in, in that that realm. So um, that's great. So if we move over to kind of the, the that, that next uh, step in your um, career path, um, how was that different or, or the same um, with, with kind of the previous uh, advancements? Yeah. So we, when I became a product manager, having previously been the marketing assistant, it was, I'd say a more like logical transition. Like I knew that that was my immediate next step. 
My boss was super supportive. She often encouraged me to get exposure in certain areas because she knew that that would also help ready my, my preparedness, if you will, to take on the product manager role, which to be very transparent, like in our company, there wasn't a huge difference from a responsibility standpoint between a marketing assistant and product manager, but there were a few nuances. So I knew by just having the right conversations with my boss, what those nuances were, and I was able to act on them so that when those moments came, when promotions typically happen, which was either mid-year or end of year, I was very well lined up to have that happen. Um, so that I'd say was a little bit more fluid. Uh, it didn't require any new learning curve because I was already kind of in that brand. And I had the, the support of my boss, my boss's boss and HR as well. So that helped facilitate that move. There wasn't any internal interview or anything like that or form that had to be filled out. It's more, in my case, it was my boss who was really a big, stakeholder for me and making it happen while me also showing up for myself and allowing them to see that I'm capable of taking on that next position. You mentioned some conversations with your boss and tell us a little bit more about that. Like were they, were they structured and was it more that they were grooming you for the, this next role? Cause it seems there's a, a bit of that, but was it uh, you led the conversation and say, Hey boss, I would love to go into to this area. Um, but what were those conversations like? Yeah, it was pretty similar to what you said. So I, I, had such an open relationship with my boss. And she honestly really took me under her wing. Uh, She was one of, you know, my favorite bosses in my corporate career, because we almost had a very close relationship, but also very professional one. It was so interesting, because you don't always come across that. But um, I really admired her and her background in the company. And she had actually come from a different division in the company that I hadn't worked at yet. And she knew that that was something I wanted to aspire to. I wanted Mm -hmm. to move to that division at one point. So she knew that what would help me get there would be these stepping stones. So we had pretty active conversations about, you know, what was needed to be seen from me to transition to the product manager role, um, what were new responsibilities I could take on and be more active in. Uh, For instance, as an example, Luki, like, merchandising was a big part of our role. But when I was marketing assistant, I was a bit more on the sidelines. And she really took the lead on those types of conversations. Whereas when I was being prepared for product manager, she started kind of looping me in more. And then when I became product manager, I was really leading those types of conversations. So it was kind of about finding those right opportunities of planting your your own seeds of where those gaps were and then already acting on them to facilitate the transition to the next step yeah i think what what i found or or what i take away from that that's similar to my own is that when when you have uh great leaders obviously when they're grooming you and and have your best interests in mind that helps a lot uh but in the situations where they they might not be uh, as um Kind of shepherding or, or what have you for, for yourself what you can also do is see uh, what of kind of your boss's job <laughs> you, you can take on right because if it's that their responsibility and you aspire at some point to uh go, get to that level uh hopefully they, they uh, don't think that you're your competition <laughs> and, and uh will give you the opportunities but taking more off of their plate uh, will definitely uh, go a long way to, to show things like initiative and, and obviously prepare you for that next stage so sounds like a, a lot of good opportunities there um and then talk to us a little bit about your journey. And then when you start to get into kind of like real kind of management uh, type position, because I'm, I'm guessing at this point, you're still yeah. really on, on your own. And what was the next or next few stages? Was that when you started actually meeting people? 
So it wasn't at that stage. It was my next one. And this is, this was an interesting one (laughs) because so that boss that I was just talking about, um, she was leaving on a maternity leave and I was still a product manager on that brand. And we had a replacement coming in that they had been training with each other. Um, So technically like my boss was like uh, the the level higher than me. And uh, she was going on her maternity leave and the day my new boss was supposed to start, she quit. So I was pretty much without an immediate boss for six months. And that was probably one of my biggest learning experiences because suddenly I had the option, like really an active option to take on even more and show that, Hey, like I can kind of be in this next role without officially being in it. And that actually was a blessing in disguise because I wasn't being held to the standard of that next role with people management responsibilities as well, but I was able to show up and let my bossy, like my general manager at the time, who I was reporting directly into where I didn't have this direct boss anymore. um, I was able to let her see like what I was really capable of and stepping up when the time came and talk about like imposter syndrome. (laughs) It's like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing right now? Um, But I, I was like, you know what? I, I know this stuff. Like, let's not get into my head and overthink this. I'm just going to take it day by day, week by week, and use this as a moment to really shine. And when my eventual new boss started six months later, I was training her to be like the promotion that I had ideally wanted. Sure. Um, and what ended up happening is there were other plans in the, in the mix for me that I didn't realize in that moment. But I was asked just shortly after my new boss joining in those six months later to transition to a different division. Okay. Um, so when I transitioned to that other division, it was the one that I had wanted to transition to, the one I had talked about with my previous boss. And I transitioned at the same level that I was at. And to be okay. super transparent, I was really frustrated about that at the point because I said, well, here I've been, you know, the last six months, pretty much doing the role of what we call like a group manager, group product manager. And I'm like going to a new division still as a product manager, a senior product manager, but still a product manager. Um, And for me, I really considered more of like a vertical promotion being like really shifting titles, not so much a senior product manager, but going to a group product manager. But I can tell you, like, thank goodness I went at that level because this new division was such a different steep learning curve. And I think I would have drowned, really drowned if I went on a new division, on a new brand, on a new product category and with people management responsibilities at the same time. But the beauty of just trusting in my gut and saying, you know what, I'm going to do this because I know I'm going to get a lot of learnings out of this new division um, I got my promotion to group manager just about five months into that role. So even though it was a whole new division where I had to reprove myself, build new connections, my track record up to that point really helped anchor me to that position a lot sooner than later because I had already kind of shown those capabilities in my previous role. Cool. Can you talk to us a little bit about your, your people management responsibility? So the first time, well, now in this new role, you actually have direct reports. Uh, yeah. you, you used to be the, that report. <laughs> now, yeah, folks uh, under, underneath you, like what was your, your approach to, to getting those skills? Because I know a lot of folks, they automatically assume when they get promoted and uh, they are their boss, like um, they will have the skills. But being a, a senior something, 
uh, versus a manager of something. They're, they're two actually quite different skill sets that, that you have to adapt to. So what was your approach to, to going and adapting and, and learning those, those, those skills to, to really um, manage people well? Oh gosh. Yes. You're so right, Luki. Like people management is a, is a totally different beast. Right. That's why you'll sometimes see like managers who they might be good at what they do, but people management is a totally different story. I think the the thing that I was really lucky about um, was that I've one, I'm a very people oriented person. Um, and I've had experiences outside of my corporate world about like managing. Okay. Um, you know, I'd work part time where I'd have some management pos- uh, responsibilities. Um, and I had a lot of leadership opportunities too, even just like in recreational things I did growing up, I went to summer camp, and I was leaders of certain activities that we had, like overseeing like hundreds of (laughs) of, uh, campers and all of that. So I already kind of had some like inklings that it was something I really enjoyed doing. And it was that moment of getting the people management responsibilities where I was like, okay, now it's showtime. And I would say it was probably one of the hardest roles that I've had not because of the people management, because it was something that I really was looking forward to doing, but it was now this like sandwich effect where you had to manage up and manage down at the same time. And that was the most challenging. So, you know, you have to still, you know, do what's going to help you in your career, but also help your own teams, make sure that you're adapting their development plans, make sure that you're providing enough guidance, but maybe not too much guidance so that you're not micromanaging too much. Um, so I think those were a lot of the learnings that came with the people management piece. It was learning on how to adapt appropriately, depending who they were having some very difficult personalities too. Like in that, that first management, uh, people management role, I had one employee who was very difficult (laughs) and would get himself into a lot of like compromising positions. And I would have to like really find my way of, of navigating through that. Um, but all that said, it was probably the part of my job to this day that I've loved the most and what inspired me a lot in my coaching, because I've had that chance to like help others really succeed and succeed rapidly. And that's what I love extending now into my coaching of taking those learnings and helping others to do that for themselves. Uh, but yeah, I would just say that the managing up and managing down piece was probably the most difficult transition um, in my career, just because it was so new having to do both of those at the same time. Cool. Can you, can you talk to us a little bit about, uh, you mentioned kind of finding your way in terms of how to manage people and, and, and uh, take a look at their, their differences and, and how to uh, enable them in the right way. Because uh, I think I, I heard somewhere where uh, people are on average given uh, management responsibilities at like the age of 36, uh, but go into like management training at the age of 40. So there's kind of a four-year gap um, in terms of like the education and the actual uh, responsibility. So um, th- did you have any former education? Because obviously you had some experiences growing up, but that's that's yeah. like a, a summer camp is a little bit different. Oh, so for sure. What, what was your process of, of kind of uh, saying, well, am I being a good manager? And, and, and uh, what helped you along the way? Oh, definitely. So there were a few things. One, um, I was fortunate to have a corporate training that okay. when you become a first-time manager there is a training that's given. It's about a three-day training off-site. So like you're fully dedicated to this. You can't be distracted with other things. And it's all about transition to team management. Okay. It's like fully focused on that. And it's very like practical based. So you bring like real situations and you're doing this in a group. So you're able to learn from others' experiences. 
that's just, that's not to say that the moment you become the people manager, you're doing that training. So for me, I got that training about maybe six months into my role, uh, which was good because I already had a little bit to go off of, but it wasn't like so fresh that I, I wouldn't have had examples to share. Mm-hmm. Uh, where some other people in the training, they were like a brand new people manager. So I found for them, it was a bit more difficult because they didn't even have as much context to bring into the training. So the fact that I had six months without that training, but still managing people, and then coming into this training, I was able to ask very specific questions Mm. on some of the particular challenges I was facing, um, and really get that guidance at that point of saying, okay, these are things that I think can work, and I'm going to adapt it and make it my own. And it really helped from that point onwards. Um, The other thing I would say that helped me a lot in the people management was feedback. Mm. That was something that I've always used very much in my own career journey, but also asking for feedback from my team, helping them feel really comfortable in sharing feedback and giving me updates, making sure that they were feeling well supported, um, and ensuring that my management style was well tailored to their approach. Um, The one thing I would say, Luki, that was probably the most difficult for me to let go of was the delegating. (laughs) Because when you're not a people manager and you're used to doing everything yourself. And now suddenly you have like a team who can like do stuff for you or with you, but it's like, it obviously requires putting trust in them and they might make mistakes. I'm a big believer that go for it, make the mistake. Just don't make the same mistake twice. Um, And that was a big learning curve because I'm like, I can't be in my, my new role as a people manager while still delegate while still doing everything myself. It's just not possible. So that was a big adjustment. And that that training helped me a lot with it in terms of like how to kind of balance that and make sure that you're delegating the right things. But also the benefit of delegating that it can put so much trust and and build up the credibility of your own team, which when they shine, you shine. So it's really a win win um, all around. Yeah, for, for my experience, uh, so we had formal uh, manager training as well, but uh, I guess the unfortunate part for us is, is we're getting kind of people management responsibility probably one level lower. So it's probably two or three years before we get the, the training kind of officially. Mm. Uh, but one of the, my, my mentors provided kind of an interesting insight, which helped me with that delegation issue where uh, they gave me an example where imagine something takes you like like eight hours to do um, and, and you can do it really well, uh, but it takes your, your new team member uh, 40 hours to do, right? And and on top of it, you have to spend an hour each day uh, just making sure they're on track and, and getting it done. Um, do you do it? And I'm like, yeah, for sure. Because it only takes me eight hours. It takes them 40 hours. But then he, he helped me change my perspective by saying, uh, well, that actually is not the way you want to think about it. You want to think about it. Actually, it's only a five-hour investment on your side because it's one hour every day for a whole week, um, but you have three extra bonus hours to do something else. Right, and that person uh, might take forty hours to do it now, but they get better and will take 32, 24, and and maybe never get down to eight because uh, of whatever reason. But uh, that's the way that you, you build your team. And even if they get it done, uh, whatever sixty percent, eighty percent of what you do, having like five or ten people doing that uh, will beat your one hundred percent every time. So that kind of was a perspective that that helped me from a delegating um, delegation perspective. Uh, yeah, I don't know if there's I love any- that. I don't know if there's any training um, that, that kind of provide a different perspective, but you, you also mentioned a little bit on, on leadership, right? So I want to touch a little mm. bit on that because management and leadership are sometimes used synonymously, but they're quite different where uh, there's 
folks that say that you can lead at any seat, right? You don't need a title necessarily to lead, um, but you might need a title to, to, to manage, right? Um, but can you talk a little bit about your maybe first experience in, in kind of a true uh, leadership role? And it might not have been this one. It might have been a previous one. Um, mm-hmm. Can you talk about one instance of that? Yes, absolutely. And I, I agree with you so much that leadership isn't something that you need to have a team under you to demonstrate. Mm-hmm. You don't need to have a, a, a team of 20 plus people. Like, you can demonstrate leadership from day one in your job. Um, And it's just about going about it the right way. So that really shines through. And, you know, some examples, like concrete examples of what you can do and what I even did from an early stage, which I think helped me to become a people manager quite quickly in my career was being very collaborative and inclusive of others. Mm -hmm. And so I would take kind of these like somewhat leadership positions in meetings that we would have where it would be multi-stakeholder meetings, probably around my own projects, my marketing launches, anything like that. And I would really take a leadership role in bringing everyone together, consolidating ideas, aligning on next steps, Uh, not only because it was my own project, but because I wanted to make sure that everyone really had invested interest in bringing us to like the final goal, right? Um, and those, that was like one concrete example that I would do time and time again to build up my leadership. I'd say maybe another example that I had done fairly early on was like seeking out exposure opportunities. So not just waiting for, let's say, my boss to give me an opportunity. If I knew, let's say, there was a certain meeting that was taking place and I wasn't really part of it, and instead of just waiting for the time that they would somewhat tell me, yeah, now you can join, I asked. I was like, you know what, like, this is a meeting that would be probably really interesting for me. Is there one that I can like just sit in on and then go from there? And that actually helped me get ramped up in those meetings to be able to start speaking in them actively as a presenter a lot sooner. And that is, again, a leadership opportunity showing that, you know, I want to elevate myself, I want to be able to grow. And having those asks just come up proactively can really help in identifying those opportunities. You could also demonstrate leadership just by inspiring those around you. Like, I think a lot of it comes down also to personal branding, which I I love coaching on as well. And a big facet of my own personal brand was my motivating nature, my encouraging nature. And I had that from very early on in my career also. So that helped kind of inspire the leadership qualities in me amongst others where they felt comfortable following my lead. They knew that they could count on me and rely on me because there was also a big piece of empathy that kind of brought it all together. So those were all examples I did even before having any people management responsibilities. Um, That said, I'd say probably one of my most notable leadership roles in my career uh, was actually one of my more recent ones. And it it's because it went beyond just my marketing director positions. This was a leadership role that I took on in spearheading change management for the organization. And this was a committee that our CEO and HR team put together amongst our entire Canadian subsidiary. They hand selected about, you know, 12 uh, champions, if you will, because we were called internally to help embody this change and embrace the change and encourage the change. And that was an amazing leadership role because it went above and beyond my normal, like functional responsibilities, but really helped me to make my name and my voice heard amongst everyone in the company. Uh, Also be a source where people could come actively to me and share feedback on ways of improving things and help me get a really direct line also with our senior management and on some pretty significant changes they wanted to make to the organization. 
yeah, I think that that's a lot of amazing experience and, and a couple of the kind of leadership lessons that, that I got, maybe not as a leader or sometimes to understand what leadership is, is one of my managers um, came up to me. Well, I actually went to them and, and I had a, a problem and I basically said, well, th- this is my problem, blah, 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 blah. And then he kind of said, and? And I'm like, what do you mean? And like, like are you going to help me? And what he suggested is, well, instead, why don't you come and bring me solutions and not problems, right? Um, because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, going to manage you. I'm not going to micromanage you and make sure that you do everything you're supposed to do. That, that's your job. But when you need help, when there's something that you can't um, uh, solve, then, then that's where you, where you come up to me. Right. Um, so that was a great like, kind of uh, lesson in, in leadership. I, I wasn't a leader at the time, but it was a good uh, example because, oh, yeah, you can think about it a little bit more. And when you really get to a point where you can't um, do anything more, that's when you kind of tap your, your leaders on the shoulder and, and get them to, to help out. Um, and the second thing that, that came to mind was uh, one of my uh, actually it was probably the, 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 the same uh, leader. He was uh, given the responsibility to, to run the campus recruiting team. And because he was given the responsibility, he said, hey, Luki, now you're responsible for it. And uh, so I, I took it and, and I was a little bit tentative at first because I had no idea what I was doing. It's a different area, but I found it fun and, and I, I took more with it and I kept on doing more and more. And I said, are you OK that I'm doing it? And she's like, yeah, yeah, go go do whatever you want. Uh, and uh, started growing and evolving that, that whole practice. And then I internally developed that brand reputation as kind of the, the recruiting guy. Uh, which I found was great. So sometimes I think I could have done more with the role had I not held myself back even more, um, mm. but it was just a great opportunity. So I think those are the two kind of leadership examples. Uh, those that- are so good. Those are so good, Luki. Honestly, I, I agree a hundred percent on like the solutions, not problems. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so easy to also like pick out problems or see that things are, aren't working. It's not yeah. so easy to come with solutions. So when, when you're bringing solutions forward, that obviously takes another level of critical thinking, that's a good leadership quality to have. So similar, you don't necessarily need to have a team under you to already start being very resourceful in that area and being solution oriented. For sure. I'd love if you could also share with us a little bit more on kind of the challenging times, because you mentioned a little bit about uh, different transitions, uh, imposter syndrome and things like that. Uh, What are some of the the tips and tricks that the tactics, the strategies that you use to kind of over overcome that? Because there's a lot of folks uh, I mentioned kind of the 36 and 40 that will be uh, managers with no formal training that they'll just hopefully have had good managers that they can um, like um, mimic and, and, and learn from. Uh, but what are some suggestions you'd have for people who are in management, in leadership roles, um, and, and how they can deal with, with some of the more challenging uh, days and situations that they encounter? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I think a lot of it comes down to perspective. Um, you know, I, a little bit off of the leadership piece, but one of the things that I had found very challenging especially earlier on in my career was like work-life balance. Mm, And so that, that really stuck with me as I grew into leadership roles, because I experienced like some really rough moments where I had probably no work-life balance, very little. It was really taking a toll on me. I came close to burnout on several occasions. And when I became a leader and manager, I was like, I never want my team to have to feel that. Like I want to really be able to provide an environment that will help them get through those challenging times. Um, And so that's where I would say a big tactic that's helped is planning and being as proactive as possible in planning, because the more that you do that, you can anticipate better. When you can anticipate better, 
you can better manage your time better. And when you can better manage your time better, well, then you don't fall into the trap of being overworked, overloaded, overstressed all the, all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I really took into like leadership roles, especially in, in people management roles was, you know, how can we plan very effectively as a team? A lot of that also, again, comes down to asking the right questions, understanding the reality, not just of your immediate team, but maybe support functions that you work with, you know, what are challenges they have, what are opportunities they face that you can help kind of work together in a collaborative way. Uh, but then also know what your own metrics for success are and plan accordingly towards those. And I, I saw it like case in point uh, where I would have my team and I'd have other teams around me and we were working towards the same, let's say big meeting or big focus. And some teams were like crazy stressed and like working around the clock and my team was very composed. It wasn't to say that they weren't busy or you know stressed to a degree, but they knew what had to get done. And we had planned for it in a way that really helped ease the burden. Um, and when you have these big things that creep up that you can really anticipate for, and you're just not anticipating well enough, it's things that can be avoided. So I really made that as a point and used effective planning as a key methodology to get ahead as much as possible. And, and by the way, because that's not to say that you're not going to have to be reactive either. Sure. It's going to be a balance of proactivity and reactivity. But the better that you plan, the better you can handle the reactivity without it destabilizing you and your teams. So that's what I found really helped. And when you're in those challenging days, when you're in those challenging moments, because they happen, I found another thing was really staying true to what motivates you in your work. And that's where the perspective thing kicks in, right? I, I we used to kind of have like a... a internal saying, because I'm from the beauty industry where we're like, okay, we're not saving lives. We sell, no, we sell lipstick. And when these like crazy challenging days or stressful times, we're like, let's just take it down a notch, you know, like, because getting, letting this get the best of us, isn't going to help anybody. Uh, And so let's try to be solution oriented. Let's try to stay focused on what we can change um, instead of letting our minds run wild. And so that paired with, you know, being true to your own motivators is what you're working on. Ultimately what you're enjoying doing right now. It's not to say that it has to be something you do for the whole entirety of your career, but if you genuinely feel connected to what you're doing, that in itself is also going to help you push through those challenging times, especially as a leader, when you're trying to inspire your own teams, that's where that feedback piece comes in handy too, because if you get a sense that your team is maybe feeling demotivated or feeling overwhelmed or feeling, you know, just stressed, overworked, whatever it is, you have to be in tune with that and help them help the situation, right? Let them know that they can support, they can lean on you and you could be a support to them, I should say, in readjusting priorities, helping to push back on things so that they don't have to feel alone in all of that. For sure. And one of the things I took away from that is to uh, plan for those challenges or plan for things not to go well, because if you assume that everything goes perfectly, uh, it it almost never happens that way. (laughs) So if you do that, that takes a bit of the stress off and and to pre-plan of of what could go wrong and things like that uh, could be helpful as well. And as as, as we close off, I'm wondering if you can share a bit of your perspective on uh, kind of being a a female climbing up the corporate ladder, because that's a perspective that I can't share, (laughs) unfortunately, Uh, but a little bit on that, because I know that has a, a certain dynamic um, within that. So if you can share a little bit about your yeah. experience, some of the stuff we talked about, uh, that would be great. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's a, that's a really important topic. I'd say it's like particularly relevant. And, 
you know, it's, it's something I even see amongst my, my own clients where it's very common as, you know, females in the workplace, there's inherently more self-doubt that we put on our shoulders or we'll question ourselves more or we'll overthink, or we won't speak up as much. And it, you know, that's kind of the, the interesting thing when it comes to like this glass ceiling or shattering the glass ceiling, because we are our own best advocate. And if we're not showing up for ourselves, it's going to be more difficult for people to show up for us. So, you know, if we're doubting our own abilities, if we're not believing in ourselves, if we're not putting ourselves out there in a way that might be really scary, but could be super rewarding at the same time, that's what's going to hold ourselves back. We're going to hold hold our own selves back. Mm -hmm. And I hate when I see that because, you know, as females in the corporate world, like we're capable of so much. And I'm, I've been very fortunate to work for a company that really embraced that. I had many female leaders in leadership positions. It was predominantly uh, female to a good degree. So that was amazing to see and really work within because it was a possibility right in front of my own eyes. But I know that there's some companies that aren't structured like that, even some functions and industries that are a lot more male oriented. And so my kind of tip or advice on that is just because the opportunity might not feel like it's right in front of you doesn't mean it's not there. I hope if anyone's gathering something from today's conversation is it's like you, you are in the driver's seat, take that proactive control, ask for things that you want, seek out opportunities, put yourself in a position that's going to help you get more exposure that will also build up really important relationships at the same time. And just because that role might not have been filled by a female before doesn't mean that you can't be the first one to do that. Um, And I've seen that even with some of my clients that they were in a very male oriented environment and they got promoted as the first female director in their company. Mm -hmm. As I'm like, Hey, you're going to be that first one. And they ended up being that first one. So it's a lot of it comes down to mindset um, as simply put that we never want our mindset to be our biggest liability when it can really be your biggest asset in your career. And that's so important for all of the females tuning in to really hone in on that and know that you can do it it's possible pairing, you know, proactivity, action, and, you know, strategic intent is what helps bring it all together. I think I love what you said about uh, you being your, your best uh, advocate, because I think too many people are on the other side where they become their, their own worst enemy, where uh, I think there's a study where job applications, uh, when, when, when a male sees that they meet whatever, eight out of 10 of it, then they apply, but a woman, uh, they, or sorry, a male will apply if they meet six out of 10, and a woman will only uh, apply if it's like eight or nine or 10 out of 10, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a, a natural bias there. But Oftentimes, it's it's kind of self-imposed. Um, so if if they kind of uh, are are able to um, kind of see themselves and become that advocate, uh, hopefully having a lot of great people along the way that that helps them uh, guide themselves uh, and reach out uh, to folks like like Tiffany or other folks uh, if you're in that situation. But I think that that's something very important because um, there are those dynamics at play and and we can't uh, ignore them. Uh, but oftentimes, as you mentioned, it is a, a mindset thing, and I often tell my clients that. Uh, their problems are uh, six inches big. The only problem is that the six inches are between your ears. <laughs> and, and that's the thing that you have to uh, get a hold of. But uh, like yeah, that. <laughs> hopefully folks can uh, kind of get their mindset uh, on and then uh, uh, start limit, uh, unlimiting themselves so they can do all, all, a bunch of great things then. 
why not be the first, right? Because if it hasn't been done, why not be that, that trailblazer, that pioneer that can do that? So uh, exactly. Uh, I, I think that we've had a lot of good conversations on climbing the corporate ladder, uh, leadership and management, and, and well, sharing a bit on being a female in the corporate world. But uh, are there any kind of parting um, words or, or other swipe the stuff I wish on you earlier that you'd want to share with our listeners? Oh, gosh, you know, I, I know we covered quite a bit, but I would say, you know, the, the path is yours to create. And even if it doesn't seem super clear right now, that's okay. You don't have to put that kind of pressure on your shoulders to feel like you have to have it all figured out. Knowing more, you know, what is your next step versus what are you going to do with your entire life is a better way to look at it, right. you know, because it puts a little bit less pressure, but still helps you be very much in the driver's seat and seizing opportunities. Even if, like I said, they're not actively in front of you, don't let that be something to discourage you. Probe, ask questions, speak up, advocate for yourself. That's what's going to help open up a lot of doors that might not be right there uh, if you're looking at it just from a bird's eye view. That's amazing. And what I took from that is is kind of being more proactive and, and going out there and, and exploring what's out there instead of waiting to be handed whatever is handed to you, right? Because uh, oh, yeah. you can if, if you're lucky enough to have those stewards that, that kind of bring you through the process. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, that's not always what it's like in every organization. But uh, yeah, thanks so much for sharing your uh, experience, your wisdom and your insights. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back for a future episode. Thank you so much, Luki. This was so much fun. And I hope all of our listeners uh, enjoy it as well. Well, Thanks, Tiffany. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.